You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 724 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live from State Farm Arena after what became a 10-point loss for the Hawks by a final score of 130-120 to at the hands of the Orlando Magic. We'll talk plenty about the game, and of course, uh, please forgive the background noise if there is any on this podcast. I am back in my seat, high top the bowl, and uh, a pretty interesting game in a lot of respects. Uh, before we get to the game, though, um, some pregame stuff that hit on here. There was a brief Clint Capella update that was delivered from Lloyd Pierce before the game. Nothing terribly new on that front, and also Travis Schlenk spoke a little bit about this uh, during the broadcast. I did not hear that live, but I went back and listened to Travis, uh, who was interviewed during the game itself. But Lloyd said that he expects Clint Capella to be out through next weekend. No big surprise there. Pierce did say that he was doing more today in terms of running and movement, but nothing close to contact. Um, did have some more sprints and some slides and some testing to try to get his conditioning back and all that and all that stuff. And Schlenk said the player for Shadis is doing better. There was a bone bruise, I guess, that sort of flared up a little bit there. But alas, uh, nothing terribly new, uh, new. As I said before, the original timetable for reevaluation was two weeks, and that was exactly one week ago. So that will arrive next week in the middle of the week. Um, that comes in between Monday's game at home and then Friday, next Friday's game in Washington. So that's when the uh, ne- next reevaluation will be. With that said, Pierce kind of ruled him out for the two games after that, which are Friday, next Friday in Washington and then uh, on the road and it was sort of a back-to-back situation back in Memphis. So reevaluation does not mean return. So it's only two, it's only two games after, though, and none of this is terribly surprising. Um, but you know, in the most optimistic possible read, based on what Lloyd said, the first possible date that he could be back would be March 9th at the earliest. At the earliest, that would be a home game um, on a Monday against the Charlotte Hornets. If and I will say this, it's a very big if at this point as to whether that actually will be the date or not. But if that actually happened, it would be uh, with 17 games left. And by the way, Pierce's first guess um, last week about wh- how much time Capello would miss would be seven to ten games. If he came back on the Charlotte game, that would actually be game 10 after the All Star break. So. Nope, no big surprises there, but uh, that's the latest on Capella. I know it's been kind of a running joke now between myself and Ben Ladner and Sarah Spencer and Chris Kirchner and Kevin Chenar and people that are around the team all the time, um, <laughs> just how many people were asking about Capella's status. So there's the latest, and uh, I'll leave it there for now. Um, to the game itself, um, a back-and-forth contest in a lot of ways. This is the last game actually against Orlando this entire season. Uh, they're now, they actually ended up splitting the season series. It was uh, actually the Hawks up by two, a 2-1 margin before this one, um, including the Brandon Goodwin game, by the way, which you might remember. Uh, down there in Orlando in late December. But um, the Hawks were 6-1 and one at home in the last seven before this game, and uh, obviously that's, that's, that little mini-streak is now over, but there was some injury report um, interest, interest throughout the day. Um, originally, it was Dwayne Debbin and DeAndre Hunter listed as probable. Then it was Hunter off entirely, and Trey Young was actually added midday on Wednesday with flu-like symptoms. Um, Trey was pretty visibly ill, I would say, after this game. And during this game, he actually played quite well, but there you go on that. There was at least that, that question of whether he would play, and then Dwayne Dedman went from probable down to questionable with a right elbow issue and then actually ended up not playing. So lots of back and forth on the injury report stuff. Um, the point spread actually reflected that as well. It opened at about 2.5. It went up to 4 with the news that Trey might not play and then went back to 2.5. <laughs> kind of interesting. Um, it kind of tells you what the uh, market was thinking when it came to um, what was going to happen there with Trey Young. But at the end of the day, the Hawks were supposed to, I guess, quote-unquote, supposed to lose this game at home. I will say I thought the Hawks, this was a very winnable spot for Atlanta. They definitely could have won this game. 
did not play all that well um, defensively, obviously, in this game. And uh, that led to the loss itself. We'll, we'll dive in here, as we always do on the podcast. The first quarter was pretty sloppy on both ends of the floor, I will say, for both teams. Uh, the Hawks had taken an 11-6 lead in the early going. Some pretty good minutes, I thought, at the outset from Bruno Fernando, who got the start in place of, in place of, of Deadman. Um, Pierce was actually asked about this before the game started, and uh, I kind of agree with him on this one to go with the big lineup. You know, Collins at the five and that small ball lineup with the five young guys is their best lineup right now. But at the same time, against Lucevic and company and a big team in Orlando, it kind of did make some sense to go ahead and go with more size with Bruno. I thought he actually played pretty well in that first quarter. Um, they did go to the young guys pretty early, though, after, after the first timeout, and actually ran a good set immediately for a Kevin Herter three. Um, did go with some interesting lineup stuff throughout, and actually a lot of zone defense. I thought the Hawks were better in the zone than they were in the man-to-man. That was definitely a low bar to clear, but there were some nice moments from that zone defense throughout the game as early as the first quarter. Um, the funniest slash best defensive highlight of the entire game was Trey Young blocking Mo Bamba's shot at the rim. That was a nice play by Trey, and Mo Bamba became the sort of punchline nationally, even uh, on Twitter, all that, on all that fun stuff. Nice play by Trey to go ahead and do that. And by the way, uh, pretty soon after that, Mamba, uh, Bamba got his shot blocked from three-point range by Jeff Teague. So both point guards got Mo Bamba in this game, although he actually did play pretty well after that. Um, other than that, a lot of back and forth, back and forth. It was good to see Cam Reddish knock down his first shot. Cam was 1 of 15 from three in the previous three games, so having him go 2 of 4 in this game, including his first make, was good to see a little bit of a bounce back after a cold spell from him. Um, and the Hawks, you know, defensively it was kind of a mess, but offensively it was pretty good in the first quarter, and they led 27-23. to 23. They shot 50% from the floor, only two turnovers, and defensively it was probably their best quarter in the entire game in the first, even if it was not fantastic. Um, in the second quarter, the Hawks did expand their rotation a little bit. They only played nine guys in the first, but they actually played all 11 available players in the first 13 minutes with Damian Jones getting his first action since the All-Star break and Vince Carter playing a little bit as well. Um, and in fact, a steal and a layup on the first possession of the second quarter to put the Hawks up by six. From there, there was a lot of Orlando in the second quarter. Uh, in fact, the Magic scored 41 points. Atlanta did, did keep up with them in a big way offensively with 37 of their own. Um, but uh, yeah, not, not too much going on in terms of the defensive side of the ball. Um, during a during what became an 11 to four uh, sorry a 14 to four run by Orlando to take the lead, um, Mobama got some revenge with a nice with a pretty big and nice block on John Collins. Um, Collins actually went pretty hard to try to end him. It felt like on that on that dunk, and Bamba won that won that little heads up battle. Um, but. Without Trey on the floor, it was kind of a mess throughout the game. And a spoiler alert here, Trey Young was actually dead even and plus minus in a game the Hawks lost by 10. And that kind of tells you what happened there. Um, Trey sat in the first half, and the Hawks went on, sort of went into the tank. Same thing happened in the second half to some degree. But a 14-4 run by Orlando put the Hawks down by 8. Then it was the Trey Young show late in the second quarter to keep the Hawks in it. They couldn't get stops, and Lloyd Pierce said that over and over again in his postgame, and I would definitely agree with that. Getting stops was just not an option, apparently, in this game for the Hawks. But Trey Young was fantastic in the second quarter. 11 points in a span of 1 minute and 50 seconds late in the quarter to keep the Hawks engaged. And the Hawks cut, cut, cut the lead all the way down from 8 to 0 at the half. It was a tie game at the half. Uh, Trey Young had, had 20 points on 6 of 9 from the floor, 3 of 4 from 3, and 5 of 5 from the free throw line in his 8 minutes in the second quarter. So it tells you all you need to know about that. A lot of that damage was done in that 2-minute span, but still 20 points in 8 minutes in the period. And Atlanta's offense was very, very good in the first half. A 129 offensive rating. They shot the ball extremely well all the way across. In addition to Trey Young, John Collins was, had, had it going as well. Uh, Young had 26 in the first half, Collins had 13. And uh, while the defense was bad um, in the second quarter, the offense was equally good. 
The third quarter, though, um, did not go in Atlanta's direction, and defensively it was just kind of a, a status thing with just more and more uh, issues, and yeah, just kind of a mess, honestly, defensively. Uh, the Hawks did, did start the game, did start the half well, I should say, with three consecutive threes from Herter, Collins, and Trey Young to go up by seven points. That was the largest three of the night for Atlanta at that point in time. Orlando then come out, came out of that timeout, though, with an 11-0 run. Um, so, obviously, a little bit of a back-and-forth there early on. There was a nice dunk from Aaron Gordon on the fast break. The Hawks had two turnovers uh, in that stretch that prompted a timeout from Pierce. But um, Orlando went from down seven up four pretty quickly, and the Hawks trailed by as many as 13 points in the third quarter. Um, offensively, it was not as good as it was before halftime. Defensively, it was even a sort of a new low um, in this game. There was a nice little stretch at the end of the quarter with Kevin Herter scoring four points in the last 10 seconds. A nice steal there from Cam Reddish to make that all happen. And the Hawks did cut the lead from 12 down to 8 in the final 10 seconds. That ended up feeling like a pretty big swing to me in the moment to only be down by 8, but still they allowed one. They allowed 103 points in three quarters. And for some context here, that's obviously a lot under any circumstances, but Orlando entered this game with the fifth worst offense in the entire league on a per-possession basis, and they don't play all that fast. So it's not a situation where that was, uh, you know, adjusted. This game was pretty fast-paced, but the uh, Hawks allowed a 137 defensive rating in the first three quarters. That is terrible, obviously, and uh, that was the story of the night, honestly, Honestly, at the end of the day. Um, in the fourth quarter, there were some nice signs along the way. The Hawks kept it pretty shallow in the second half rotationally. In fact, only eight guys played in the third quarter, and really it was only seven because, uh, sorry, Travion Graham played less than a minute in the third quarter. It did expand it a little bit to Damian Jones in the fourth, but uh, pretty shallow rotation, and I think out of necessity with, with Devin out of the lineup, that was uh, proven to be, I think, the, the wise move in some respects. But other than some free Chick-fil-A, as uh, there were a couple of missed free throws in the early por portion of the fourth quarter, uh, there wasn't too much going on. There was the one nice run by Atlanta to capitalize on the late movement from Herter at the end of the third quarter, and that was a 10-2 overall push to get back within four. That was as close as it got, though. It did look for a moment as if the Hawks would have a chance to cut it to two on free throws, but going into a timeout, Orlando was called for a foul. They challenged it, and uh, that was rightly overturned. It was not a foul on the Magic, um, but instead of having free throws to go down by two, the Hawks came out of that, had a jump ball, and Trey Young had a floater in the air to cut it to two. He actually missed that one, but from there, it was all Orlando. The one thing that I, I did want to make sure I pointed out is that Michael Carter-Williams fouled out of this game in 13 minutes of play, and at guard, that's very tough to do. Uh, Trey Young just had him flummoxed throughout, and that was kind of funny to watch. Also, Trey had a nice steal defensively in the fourth quarter that I wanted to point out. Actually, I started, actually started a fast break out of his zone, just played it very well, and I think Trey operates a little bit better out of his zone in the limited time that I've seen so far. Still, it was all Orlando from that point forward after the Hawks had a chance to get it to four. Um, Evan Fournier was fantastic in the fourth quarter for the Magic. The Hawks went pretty small um, out of necessity when they, were, when, they, when they were trailing, but Fournier had six straight points to put the Hawks up, uh, sorry, put the Hawks down by 11 points with four and a half minutes to go. There was a three hit by Kevin Herter out of that to get back to get back with an eight. Then the Hawks got a stop, so they had the ball down eight and uh, about three and a half, four minutes to go. So that, that's a winnable spot. Obviously, you're underdog at that point, but only down by eight with the ball. If you score there, it becomes very interesting in a hurry. But Gordon blocked John Collins at the rim, and on the other end of the floor ended up with a Vucevic bunny in the lane, and suddenly the game went from maybe getting down to six back to ten with three minutes to go. That prompted a timeout from Lloyd Pierce, and down ten with 312, you are a big underdog, obviously. Out of the timeout, Young missed a pull-up three, and then they fouled Fournier. He split free, split, split free throws, and the Hawks turned the ball over again. So three straight empty possessions at a bad time for the Hawks, and then Fournier got a reverse layup to basically end the game at 125 to 112. Um, 
The Hawks did, did get back with an eight very briefly with less than a minute to go, but for all intents and purposes, it was pretty much over when they when the lead went back up to 13 with about two and a half minutes to go, and uh, the Hawks just could not score when it mattered, and the stops just never never materialized for the entire game, honestly. Um, although the, the fourth quarter was a little bit better in terms of the stats defensively. Uh, in the fourth, the I'm looking for it now, sorry. But yeah, the fourth quarter, the Magic shot 10 of 22 from the floor and had three turnovers. It wasn't like they were bad <laughs> offensively in the, in the fourth. It was a little bit better, and the Hawks just could not get anything going offensively. They shot 8 of 24 in the fourth quarter with 2 of 8 from 3. Trey was oh, Trey was even cold. He was oh, he was 1 of 9 in the fourth quarter. It was not all on him, but uh, just not a, not a lot of uh, gas left in the tank for, these, for the offense in the fourth quarter, and uh, given where the defense was for the entire game, that became untenable. So, all that to say, obviously the Hawks did not play all that well in this game to lose by 10 points at home. I will say it was probably a little bit closer than the final score indicated, but not ideal. Offensively, though, it was a pretty good night from the Hawks. Orlando is a pretty good defensive team. Not as good since they lost Jonathan Isaac, who is a good player, but the Hawks scoring 1.16 points per possession is pretty darn good against Orlando. Um, obviously, we'll talk about individual stuff later, but the Hawks did a pretty good job offensively. They had 57% true shooting. They um, had 30 assists and only nine turnovers. And if you tell me that ahead of the game, ahead of the game, I'd probably tell you that the Hawks are going to win because those are really good numbers offensively for this team, especially against Orlando. But they just couldn't stop them for whatever reason. There were lots of different um, little effort things that were a problem defensively, schematic things. The man-to-man defense was pretty ineffective throughout this game. And, of course, not having that backline defender without, without Deadman in the lineup was uh, definitely costly as well. But defensively, it was a 126 defensive rating. That is very bad, particularly against a bad offensive team in Orlando. And uh, the Magic got 13 offensive rebounds. They had 30 assists in their own right. So not a lot of uh, positive stuff to say about the defense in this game. Okay, after a short break, we will come back and talk about the individual stuff in this game. But uh, hold on tight. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back to talk about the individual portion of the podcast. And uh, Needless to say, it was a pretty short rotation the entire time. Only seven guys played nine minutes or more. Um, that is not a huge surprise given the given, uh, given the I guess who was available in this game without Deadman. But Damian Jones returned to the rotation. He was not fantastic, especially in his first stint. Lloyd Pierce did give him a compliment about the way that he played in the fourth quarter. I would probably agree with that. I don't think he was the problem in the fourth. But uh, Damian, 0 of 1 from the floor, 3 rebounds defensively, had 4 fouls. He was uh, hacking a little bit when he was out there, but there's a reason why he's not been playing a whole lot, and it's because he's not terribly effective. So uh, not a huge surprise that he was in a huge fa- uh, factor in this spot. Brandon Goodwin, limited deployment here, 4 points and, a, and an assist for Brandon. He was set 2 of 2 from the floor and only 7 minutes of play. Um, but it seems you know the Hawks are going to keep going to Jeff Teague for now as the, as the primary backup point guard. And, and, and this matchup, it, w- it, w- it would have been tough to go with a ton of Goodwin given the size discrepancy that the Hawks had. Vince Carter... Um, it's now a theme that I have noticed, and we were discussing this after the game, actually, with me and a couple, couple of people in the uh, locker room. Vince is now basically getting a DNP CD, by, but also playing. It's kind of funny. Um, I think they don't want to give Vince full-blown DNPs because he's in his retirement tour here, but the last few games in a row now, he's played one stint in the first half of three or four minutes, and that's kind of all he's played. Um, I'm not sure if that's by design or what, or if that's the plan, but um, you know, Vince is clearly on the outside looking in when it comes to the full-blown rotation at this point in time, which is the right decision. He's not been particularly good on the floor this year, but I think there's also this uh, sort of dynamic where you don't want to necessarily give Vince DNPs 
DMPs in his uh, stretch run here for a team that's not going to be going to the playoffs. So I kind of get it on all, all, all sides. It seems like the Hawks have settled into this little um, this little pattern where he's playing basically one stint per night. And uh, in that stint, he made his one jump shot that he, that he that attempted, had a turnover as well, minus eight, and there you go on that. Uh, Trevion Graham did not attempt a shot in this game in nine minutes. He actually played the eighth most, min- eighth most minutes and did not attempt a shot. Defensively, he had some nice moments uh, but had to, and also had two assists, but not a whole lot to discuss when it comes to Travion. The guys who, did, guys who did play, though, Jeff Teague, 23 minutes of play, 12 assists, 6 rebounds, sorry, 12 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, a steal, and a block shot on Mo Bamba, as we, as we discussed before. Um, 3 of 7 from the floor for Jeff, 1 of 3 from 3, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. I thought he was pretty decent in this game. Um, probably could use him a little bit more, honestly, at times, but with the way the Orlando plays so big, it's tough to play as small as it would have been with Teague and uh, Young playing together. But he actually was pretty effective when he was out there on the floor. And then Cam Reddish was uh, very good, I thought, for the most part in this game. 14 points, three rebounds, an assist, two steals, and a block for Cam. 5-10 from the floor, 2-4 from three, 2-2 from the free throw line. Um, as I said before, early on the podcast, he had been cold from three. He was kind of due for one of those. He, he had been red hot for about a month and a half, maybe, um, to save his averages that were so bad early on in the season. And then he kind of kind of cooled off a little bit from three, but good to see him bounce back here with a two for four game. He was pretty aggressive. I thought he had one at least at least one very nice move at the rim, uh, sort of a step through and finish. Um, defensively, he was by far the best wing on the team in this game, as he has been all season long. So a good night from Cam. I think, honestly, they probably could have even played him in a little bit more um, in this spot. It would have been pretty – probably would, would have been helpful considering the way the other guys played. But I thought Cam was a bright spot in this game. To the starters, Bruno Fernando, 22 minutes, 10 points, 9 rebounds, a steal, and an assist. I thought Bruno was pretty pretty reasonable in this game. You can't really expect too much more than this for Bruno in a matchup that's pretty tough against Vucevic. Obviously, starting him is less than ideal when it comes to trying to win basketball games, but Bruno was clearly better than Damian, I thought, in this game. I thought, if anything, he probably could have played even more in the second half, given the way that he did play. Obviously, he's a rookie. He's going to have some rookie moments, and there were a few of those in this game. I thought he played pretty physically. The nine rebounds is uh, pretty encouraging on the, on the defensive glass, and he was locked in a little bit better than he has been at times. So, I thought, in general, it was probably an above-average night from Bruno, and we'll see if Devin misses some times. I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. There's no real update on that, necessarily, although he had an MRI, uh, according to Lloyd Pierce, so we'll keep an eye on that, obviously. But Bruno... Um, could be seeing some more of the of, of the floor if Deadman is unable to play, and I, I, this is a good sign for him moving forward. I think. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, not not such a good sign. Um, I will say on the bright side, Hunter led the team with, with 11 rebounds. So at least there's some physicality there happening. Eight, eight defensive rebounds. Although he was flying around a little bit in that respect. But offensively, it was kind of a mess from Hunter. Two points, 0 of 8 from the floor, 0 of 4 from 3. Um, you know, obviously this is a bad night in, from the shooting department. I don't really care as much about the 0 of 8. I mean, it's going to happen. It's not great by any means. But there's this notion now that he's bad. It's kind of funny. Um, he had been he, His previous two games were actually quite good, I thought. Two of his better games of the season. And then after he has one bad game, it's... Uh, the end of the world but with Hunter, but that comes with the, um, as I said before, um, all summer long, really, that uh, once he was drafted with a top five pick, the pressure is a little bit more with that pick. It's not, it's not his fault, but um, he's not really allowed the leeway that some other guys would be, and I thought he did not play well in this game. Don't, don't get me wrong by any means, but I think it's just kind of funny the uh, way he's been discussed at times this year, but you know, defensively, he had a couple of rough moments as well. But, um, you know, to, uh, I guess, probably his good fortune, I think Kevin Herter was as bad or worse in this game. Herter didn't make more shots, obviously. Kevin had 13 points, actually hit three threes, including a couple big ones. But I thought he was pretty bad 
all things considered in this in this spot. Um, Efficiency-wise, offensively, it looks okay. Had three assists as well, but defensively, um, he was very bad um, by his standard. I think Kevin is generally an underrated defender. That, that Underrated does not mean good, by the way. I think he's still below average defensively, but I think uh, there's this notion that he's a terrible defender, which I don't really buy. But in this game, it was pretty bad, and he got a couple of bad moments in uh, energy-wise, effectiveness-wise. Not his best night, and I think he was no, it was noteworthy to me anyway that he played less than Reddish and less than Hunter in this game. Um, and I think that was probably justified given the way that he was playing. Obviously, the shooting they, they badly need, and he still made three of seven from three. Obviously, that's a good that's a good that's a good figure, but only two of five on twos, and just did not play with a whole lot of force in this game. That's obviously something that, that we've talked about with Herter quite a bit on the podcast. When he plays aggressively, plays with force, the results are generally pretty good. When he plays a little bit softer, um, it's not good, and that's something that he's going to have to keep his. I guess, foot to the floor when it comes to pedal to the metal. How, how are you going to say this? Herder has to be more aggressive, more physical, and he was not physical or aggressive in this game. Um, lastly, the two guys who were fantastic for the Hawks offensively in this game were Collins and Young. Uh, not exactly a surprise there, considering those two guys are the best players on the team. But John Collins uh, has struggled against Orlando in the past. That was not the case here. I thought he was pretty good. 26 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 block shots, including that one um, big one uh, that I thought around the rim. Um, 11 of 9 from the, sorry, 11 of 19 from the floor, 3 of 5 from 3 for Collins in this game, and I thought he was effective. Obviously, he was not, you know, lights out on the defensive glass. There were a couple moments where he wasn't, like, his best, best self, but given where he's been against Orlando in the past, this is a pretty good data point for John, and I thought he was uh, very effective. And by the way, the three-point shooting continues to be very good. I tweeted this during the game um, on Monday, but I now kind of fully believe in Collins' three-point shooting. Do I think he's going to be a 40% three-point shooter? Probably not. But high 30s seems reasonable with the way that he is shooting the ball right now on his on his attempts. They're not always he's not always taking a ton of them, but the form is clean and compact and good. And I think he's shooting the ball with a lot of confidence. So um, that's something that he's going to have to do, obviously, with Click Capella coming into the mix. But uh, I'm I'm buying that more than I think I ever have on, and that that comes you know obviously this game is three for three or five, but just in general the numbers are pretty good. I think the eye test backs it up as well that Collins is going to be able to make enough shots to uh, open things up offensively. And then Trey Young, obviously fantastic. I mentioned before he was one of nine in the fourth quarter. That's, that takes a little bit of the shine off of it, but still I thought he played very well. 37 points, 11 assists, um, and obviously was not feeling his best either in this game. 4 of 12 from three. Got to the line 14 times, made 13 of them. In typical Trey Young fashion, he was uh, foul drawing and driving his defenders crazy in this game. It was it was indicative to me that the Hawks were minus 10 when he was off the court, and even when he was on the court, that's a pretty uh, you know, it's been a pretty clear trend throughout the entire season. So no big surprise there. But I thought Trey competed defensively more than he has in the past, and it was good to see him play pretty well on that on the floor by his standards and offensively for three quarters anyway. He was lights out. The fourth not so much, but he was not the only one and. Uh, as I said before, uh, sort of ad nauseum on this podcast, offense was not the problem in this game, and a lot of that was because of Trey Young and how good he was in this spot. So, all that to say, the Hawks have a back-to-back looming at home on Friday and Saturday. In fact, this is the, this is the first uh, the first of four games in six nights at State Farm Arena. So, lots of home games. So There'll be a Friday night game, Saturday night game, and then back on Monday for Trey Young versus John Morant. I will say though, the Hawks are missing a bunch of the top-tier players. That's been a theme throughout the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Luka did not play on Saturday. Um, this game, uh, Monday, they missed, they missed Ben Simmons on the road. Uh, in this game, Jonathan Isaac, who might be Orlando's best player, or at least one of their best players, um, was not available in this game. I know I'm higher on him than most, and people wouldn't say that he's their best player, but he, he's very good. Um, he did not play. Obviously, he's out for the season, but that's one more th- uh, one more guy that the Hawks will miss. Friday, no Kyrie Irving. Saturday, it looks like no Damian Lillard for Portland. And then Monday, no Jaron Jackson for Memphis, and hopefully John Morant will play to keep that uh, interest level high of that one with, uh, obviously, the matchup between Young and Morant being a circled 
kind of thing. But regardless, we'll have lots of podcast content coming in the near future. I'm not sure if I'll have another podcast between now and Friday night. Um, I'm setting up a guest that I'm not sure is going to happen. Uh, at least on Thursday, I think it's going to happen. I'm not sure if it's going to happen between now and the game on Friday. But circle that one. And if not, the Hawks have a three uh, have a, th- a period of three days off next week. Why? Well, I have at least one at least one guest locked in for that time slot. So we'll see how that goes between now and then. But all that to say, a pre. I won't say a bad loss, but not a, not a great loss for the Hawks. Obviously, I think that this is a winnable game. People were like more angry than they probably should have been about this performance on Twitter. People talking about how terrible this loss was. You know, the Hawks were not favored in this game. Um, could they have won? Absolutely. Could they have played better? Absolutely. Could they have played better defense, especially? Yes, they could have. And it was a little bit disappointing for that from that standpoint. But um, still, a game where Orlando's a better team, not by a ton, but they start. I think they are better than the Hawks, particularly without Deadman. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the backdrop for that. So. Going into the weekend, the Hawks do have a couple of winnable games, I will say, at home. Obviously, back-to-back is tough, especially if they're shorthanded. But Friday, at home against a Kyrie-less Brooklyn team is a winnable game. And then Saturday, especially if Dame does not play, uh, Portland has no great shakes without Dame Lillard. So those games are winnable, and we'll see how the Hawks fare in those spots. So thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, please subscribe to the show. I, w- I would really appreciate it if everybody already did that. Um, thank you for doing that if you have already. But if you have not, Go ahead and fire up that that subscribe button. Leave five-star feedback if you enjoy the program. Tell a friend or two or three about the pod, and uh, we will see everybody at the very latest after the game on Friday.